The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi, Leslie's executive producer. I will be in for Leslie today from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern. And I am fortunate enough to be joined by Charlie Cray this first half hour. He's a researcher at Greenpeace USA. You can follow him on Twitter. Uh, His handle is at Charlie F. Cray. That's Charlie C.H. A-R-L-I-E-F-C-R-A-Y. And Greenpeace's website is greenpeace.org. Charlie, welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. How are you today? I'm very well. Thanks for having me. So Charlie was part of a event that I was part of myself this past uh, Saturday through Monday called Democracy Awakening, uh, which you can find out more information at democracyawakening.org. Um, we're going to be talking about that during this hour from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern. Charlie's going to be with us for the next half hour. And then we're going to have Nick Nyhart, who's the president and CEO of the Every Voice Center. Uh, from 4 to 6, we'll be with our good friend Brad Bannon talking about the primaries, the charges in the Flint water crisis, uh, as well as Harriet Tubman being announced that she's going to replace Andrew Jackson on the $20 bill. But Back to uh, what I wanted to start the show off with today, which I feel is really the most important thing that uh, has affected me recently, which was the Democracy uh, Awakening event. This is an event that uh, I know our our listeners have heard about because Leslie was able to, uh, well, first of all, I was able to interview uh, Margretta Strand, who's the Executive Vice President of Public Citizen prior to Democracy Awakening, and then uh, Leslie interviewed uh, Robert Weissman, the president of Public Citizen this past Monday to get some of their views. Um, But I wanted to talk with Charlie because we really haven't had anyone talking about the specific uh, environmental uh, aspects and goals uh, that are part of the coalition that is Democracy Awakening and the Democracy uh, Initiative. And Charlie himself uh, risked arrest on Monday and was, in fact, arrested. And so, Charlie, I just wanted to start this hour off uh, by asking you, uh, what was that process like for you? Well, it was pretty fair and direct. Um, we were uh, hundreds of us marched down the street, with joined by many hundreds more, and we uh, approached the Capitol, uh, chanting and singing. It was very, um, you know, upbeat. And uh, we occupied the front steps of the Capitol. We were given a couple of fair warnings by the police, and finally. Um, basically uh, taken away um, politely in most cases and uh, processed uh, given misdemeanor charges of incommoding. So it was a fairly direct, simple process on site um, for all of us. And it was, um, we were there to, you know, demonstrate people power in support of a true democracy. Now, is this, just so people know, um, have you been uh, arrested in acts of civil disobedience before? Was this your first time? Um, I've been arrested before at uh, very large uh, polluting-type facilities, but it's been many years since I've done anything like this. 
So uh, due to the fact that, you know, there was that large gap, um, why did you decide to, to get back out there and basically uh, put your body on the line um, for, this, uh, for this initiative? What was so important about it that you felt it was worth it to take that risk and also uh, to get arrested and, and to have that charge, uh, you know, against your name? Right. Well, I think there are a number of reasons. One is because of the crisis, we are, the climate crisis that we are facing and the very fact that Congress is effectively uh, doing nothing uh, about it and hasn't done anything for many years. Uh, and in fact, many of the members of Congress are in total denial, are more or less bought uh, by the Cokes and Exxon and other major polluters who have also funded climate-denying front groups. Um, so there was, there's that. Um, and also because we have... Uh, over the last few years, joined with civil rights groups, um, groups from labor unions, other environmental groups, and groups that for whom, you know, issues of democracy who led the fight until recently, um, voting rights groups and groups that are uh, like Nick Neihart's groups that are working for publicly financed elections or to overturn Citizens United. We are uh, backing them up. Uh, now and joining them because we all feel that Congress isn't just, you know, broken and dysfunctional when it comes to environmental issues. It's true across the board um, and that we're not going to get anywhere on any of our issues until we fix that. Um, you know, something I wanted to, to to bring up is, you know, I was there, uh, I decided to go and I, I did it on my own budget this way I could both cover parts of the event and participate myself um, and I honestly had never been part of a large event like this and it was really powerful for a novice like myself who you know covers a lot of the news to be able to get involved in something like this because you know I, I cover a lot of issues of, of money and politics which is my number one issue um, and you know before I really learned about that my number one issue was the climate because to me, they're just two umbrella issues where I guess the, the way I can explain it is regardless of whatever your other issues are, if you, if you don't have a planet to live on, none of them really matter. So that that kind of brought that to the forefront to me once, you know, the science was clear, which it has been for a while and I learned about it. But then I realized that issue and any other issue I cared about, any change that I wanted to see happen was so difficult because there was so much money pouring into the system to keep the status quo the way it was. And then obviously that got exponentially amplified uh, with the Citizens United Supreme Court decision. And I felt, you know, the more I learned about it, the more, you know, I felt educated and equipped to talk to others about it. But I wanted to do something about it. I was sick of kind of just talking about it and learning about it. I wanted some action. And, you know, I was hungry for something like that. But you know the realities of this. You know, you have your everyday life. You go to work. You know, a lot of us, you know, even if we do things on the weekend, like, you know, organize, for instance, for a political campaign, you know, make sure you get out and vote, tell your friends about it. You know, your average citizen, I think, hungers for something like that. But doesn't see a lot of opportunities like this. So, you know, personally, when I saw the opportunity... I just had to jump on it because I wanted to to get involved in something that was actionable. And, you know, it was one thing to read about it on paper, but I, I'm sure you can, you know, voice your opinion on this as well. Once you 
once I got there and I was at the All Souls Sanctuary where they had the teach-ins on, on Saturday, for those of you who aren't as familiar with the event, if you want to, during the break, go to democracyawakening.org. You can see all the events that took place between Saturday and Monday. It's actually quite staggering, uh, the amount that was done in three days. I don't know about you, but when the three days were over, I needed to, to sleep like two nights. <laughs> To, to kind of get through, um, you know, going around the Capitol and marching and doing everything. Mm-hmm. But um, it felt so good to be part of it once I got there and see all of the other people. You just you get a sense that not only are you not alone, but that you're in the majority. And you know there's so many other people that feel this way. And, and the, the feeling that you get from just talking about something to doing something, for me, it was absolutely empowering. And it just changed the way I felt about, you know, the entire process. So can you talk about the feeling? If, if you had a similar experience or something different, you know, don't feel like you have to echo that. But what was the experience like for you? You know, even though I know you said you've done this before and it had been a while, um, from going to kind of discussing the event to actually then being there and being in the moment. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think, um, you know, a lot of us who have tracked this issue, we read uh, a lot about it. Um, it's both discouraging but also encouraging. If you read, for instance, the opinion polls, you know that the majority of people um, from the entire across the entire political spectrum, both Republicans and Democrats and independents as well, support things like overturning Citizens United decision by the vast majority. Uh, in opinion poll after opinion poll. So um, this was a really good opportunity to start a process that sort of manifests that uh, majority uh, opinion. You know, we're at the beginning stages of building a movement. And like you said, a lot of what we need to do is a deeper level of education. So that's why we did a lot of workshops and trainings before we did the big march. Um, So all these things are components of a early, you know, constructing the early stages of a movement that we expect to expand and get bigger and bigger uh, with time. And that's why it's called Democracy Awakening. And just for those who are first finding out about this, this democracy initiative, to my knowledge, as I was learning about this week, and please feel free to correct me, I believe started uh, in 2012 when you had different groups like labor, environmental groups, and civil rights groups decide to band together and form a coalition that would multiply their power and also explain how the issues were related to one another. And it, you know, I don't want to say culminated because like you said, it's still going, but, um, you know, built up to Democracy Spring and Democracy Awakening. So for people who think, you know, maybe they missed the opportunity and they wish they were there and, oh, there won't be another opportunity, this this has been in, in the works for a while and is still going. And the reason that I think you can really see that it's starting to to gain steam is, you know, you mentioned you were arrested. Um, I actually was at the Capitol uh, on the advocacy day going to speak with lawmakers that morning. Um, so I was you know, going back and forth and watching and then going back and forth to the halls of Congress. Um, but I did get to read that there were over 300 people arrested with you on Monday, which brought the total arrested amount arrested uh, between Democracy Spring and Democracy Awakening movements to over 1,400 arrested in a week. And uh, that broke the record for nonviolent direct action protests in Washington for a single week, which is pretty amazing when you think about, you know, being in D.C. and and all the protests and everything uh, that happened there. So I just want people to know about that, number one. Number two, speaking about getting involved, I think for a lot of these issues, you know, you will hear some baby boomers or people who are, you know, in, in the older generations 
talk about, oh, well, when we you know, wanted to make change, we got up off our butts, we went out into the streets. And I always think about these videos of you know, Dr. King uh, and everyone leading these peaceful protests and marching on Washington. And, and I've, I've hungered for something like that. And it feels like, like something like that is, is beginning. Um, the, the difficulty, I think, is getting the media attention because you have vested interests um, specifically against money and politics, you know, TV budgets, uh, a lot of their money now is made on political ads uh, on TV, which obviously the more you have super PAC spending, the more you're going to get per ads. So, I mean, this is just my personal opinion, but I believe one of the reasons it doesn't get as much coverage is some of these TV executives uh, and news directors see it as a direct threat to their profits um, to cover these events that would then get money out of politics uh, and make it maybe they think, you know, they would have less money from these these TV ads. Um, however, you have so many people going there that eventually it was impossible to ignore. You started finally seeing it on um, CNN and MSNBC, and I read an article in USA Today. Uh, So I think it's getting to a point where it's just going to be really hard for them to ignore anymore. Um, And I want to actually do we do have to take a break, but I want to get your opinion on that after the break, Charlie. So sorry to uh, give everybody a little cliffhanger there, but we're going to have Charlie uh, talk about that and then uh, specifically talk about, um, you know, how this movement uh, continues to grow and become successful and why it's specifically important to those uh, involved in environmental work. So again, if you want to talk with uh, our guest, Charlie Cray, who is a researcher at Greenpeace USA, or myself, Mark Romaldi, about the Democracy Awakening Initiative, you can do so at 8886-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. And then just a programming reminder, we're going to have Nick Nyhart, who's the president and CEO of Every Voice Center, and he's going to talk about his experience in Democracy Awakening at 3.30. So give us a shout now. If we don't get you in the next segment, we'll definitely get you on this hour to talk about that and any other uh, issues related to this uh, movement and these issues. Uh, This is Mark Romaldi and for Leslie Marshall. We will be right back after this short commercial break. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi. I'm joined by Charlie Cray, who is a researcher at Greenpeace USA. We're talking about uh, democracy awakening. Before the break, I had asked Charlie about building a movement that's big enough uh, where it cannot be ignored anymore. So uh, I know I kind of cut us off there because of the break. So I wanted you to kind of respond with your thoughts on that, Charlie. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, We often get called radicals, but when you think about the size of this movement, and what's been going on in the last few years, it's really we the people who are the conservatives and the you know, right-wing Republicans primarily and the Supreme Court who are the radicals passing the Citizens United decision, the Shelby County versus uh, Holder decision, which eviscerated parts of the Voting Rights Act, the McCutcheon versus FEC decision, which essentially lifted the cap on contributions that wealthy individuals can make from $126,000 per election cycle, which is already, uh, when you think about it, the average American household's income over two years uh, to about $3.5 million. And who can benefit uh, from that? So, you know, this is the direction we've all seen this country take. 
And uh, from our point of view at Greenpeace, we've been following the Koch brothers and their influence and the fact that they not only pollute the air, but pollute the airwaves uh, by spending enormous amounts of money through their super PACs on attack ads to distort the political debate and, and take out candidates they don't like who might not uh, be climate deniers. And if you want clean energy, you really need to have clean politics. And that's why Greenpeace has joined with a whole range of organizations and uh, sector movements. You know, there were uh, something like 300 groups that co-sponsored the Democracy Awakening this past weekend. Um, we expect that we'll all continue to collaborate. Um, it's a slowly evolving process, as you might know from participating in past movements. These are, these are you know, alliances that, that take a while to build and relationships to establish. But once they're there, things can become pretty powerful. Um, you know, the democracy movement is a juggernaut that's just getting rolling. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. I mean, especially when you look at, like you said, there was over 300 groups. You can actually go on the democracyawakening.org website and see all of them. Very, not only a diverse amount of groups, but a very diverse amount, uh, a diverse uh, set of Americans that I met there personally and saw in that march uh, on Sunday, which had over 5,000 people. It was just absolutely uh, staggering in a really good way. And I, I like the point that you made, Charlie, which I wanted our audience to, to really think about, which is, you know, people who protest and go out into the street, you know, are called radicals or people that are, you know, you know by the, the mainstream media a lot of the times or people who disagree with them are called radicals. But we really are, if you look at polling, in the majority and those who are making the decisions to hurt our environment, our democracy, are, are, are radicals. Um, I just want to give you the last minute here, and b before we do that, if people want to stay connected with this uh, movement, it's democracyawakening.org forward slash stay dash connected and you can sign up for email alerts we've got about 30 seconds i wanted to give you the floor for, uh, just what you want to leave our audience with charlie sure uh one of the things that can kind of put all of this in context is a report that we put together uh, a couple years ago called the kingpins of carbon and the war on democracy and this is this outlines the history of the Koch brothers and others very radical attack on democracy and explains why we are a part of the democracy initiative that uh Plan, helped plan and organize the Democracy Awakening. People can find that report if they Google Kingpins of Carbon and Greenpeace. And that kind of explains everything that, if, you know, if I had time to lay it all out, I would, but uh, we need to do a lot of education to folks and, um, you know, we're in the process of doing Charlie, that. thank you so uh, much. I really appreciate your time. Back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Rimaldi, Leslie's executive producer, filling in for Leslie. Uh, we are joined, as promised, by Nick Nyhart, who's the president and CEO of the Every Voice Center, a three-decade veteran of social change politics. Excuse me, politics, issue advocacy, grassroots organizing, and nonprofit management. Nick brings a wealth of experience to the national reform movement, which is why we wanted to have him on for our second interview uh, to t uh, today to talk about democracy awakening and the democracy uh, initiative. Nick, welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. Thank you very much, Mark. I'm glad to be on. 
Absolutely. So uh, just uh, to give uh, you a background, we were just talking with Charlie Cray, who's a researcher at Greenpeace, and we were uh, talking about his um, role and Greenpeace's role and kind of uh, the environment uh, and what you know, basically what's at stake here and, and why they wanted to get involved in the movement. And one of the things that I uh, brought up with Charlie is that, um, you know, my own personal views uh, in, you know, politics and really just, you know, our, our whole country and our democracy is the more I learned about the risks to our environment, it became my number one issue because everything else that I cared about wouldn't really matter if we didn't have a planet to uh to live on and to debate on and to you know to just do everything we're we're doing on but then once i learned more about money in politics and how it affected every issue that you know i worked on you know in my job and also uh, you know, that I volunteered uh, for campaigns on, you know, pretty much outside of my work, my professional life and my personal life, I, I realized how money is just infected into the system and keeps the status quo. So that then became my number one issue. And uh, that is something that is uh, very uh, important to every voice. And, you know, I, I wanted to just read this passage about money and politics from your website before we started the interview, because I thought it was very powerful. Um, mm-hmm. And you can find out more about uh, Every Voice by going to everyvoice.org, but I will uh, share this with our audience here. It says, quote, America's history is a story of overcoming injustices, no taxation without representation, abolition, women's suffrage, civil rights, marriage equality. We constantly seek progress. We are always pursuing a more perfect union. The great national tradition of sticking up for the little guy is burned into our DNA. We back the underdog. We love the revolutionaries and pursue moonshot ideas. We innovate. We start up. We celebrate David beating Goliath in sports, culture, and especially politics. Long odds and powerful opponents don't deter us from working to advance justice and reform. We also know in our hearts and our heads that progress is often forged in response to crises. We are at our best when confronted with the worst. We come together to to fight in the face of great wrongs. And I thought that was a perfect way to describe how I felt uh, when I was present at Democracy uh, Awakening um, from this past Saturday to Monday. So I just wanted you to give everyone an overview of how you felt when you were there and, you know, what kind of vibe you got and, and what it was like. Sure. Um, it, it felt powerful. Uh, I've been in this work for almost 25 years. Uh, and in all that time, I've never seen that many people come together uh, to push back against the forces that are undoing our democracy. In this case, Congress was the target because it sat idly by and even, uh, in fact, done some things to undermine democracy. Um, but it felt powerful to have thousands of people. There were close to 5,000 people who rallied and marched on Sunday, and then 300 were arrested um, on Monday. And again, to be part of such a large group, I, I think the largest group that I know of that was arrested in Washington on money and politics and voting rights issues in the last 20 or so years with just 50 people. And so one of the things we're seeing that as our democracy falls further and further away from our ideals of one person, one vote and a government by the people, that more and more people want to get involved. And what you said uh, when you opened about the environment has been a, a big issue for you and you, you see the uh, you know, if we can't fix that, we're all in a heap of trouble. I think people are seeing uh, democracy in that light, too, that so much we that we count on in terms of common sense government policies and policies that work for every person and not just big campaign donors uh, are at stake on this issue. And so people are responding because more and more people 
are coming to that realization. It felt very powerful not just to have those numbers, but to see uh, national organizations stepping up front, like the NAACP, that has always worked on voting rights, but is adding money and politics to its key list. Or Greenpeace, where Charlie is from, being in the lead, saying we need to take our democracy back. Or the communication workers, uh, a national union, uh, saying, you know what, our workers aren't going to get a fair shake at work or in the rest of uh, politics and, uh, and and other kinds of issues that affect their lives unless we fix our democracy. So seeing those new forces gather in such numbers was powerful. And then it goes to, you know, uh, this is still uh, David versus Goliath, but don't count us out because there's a tie to history here where people have taken on those kinds of odds all during our history and been at their best and defied those odds to win a better America and a better democracy uh, through the, this kind of action, through protest and standing up for what's right. And, you know, I, th- I think you said it beautifully. The other thing that I really noticed was the diverse crowd that was there. There were people of, honestly, different, you know, political affiliations, some on the just completely unaffiliated um, young people, old people, uh, you know, people in the just all different age groups. And that's what you realize is that, you know, we have the people on our side and we have the numbers on our side. And now it's, you know, people, like you said, I think have been getting frustrated and feeling beaten down and they, they are hungry. They want to do something about it, but they don't exactly know what to do. You know, sometimes people feel when they go to vote that they're voting for, you know, the, the least of the worst or you know what's who do i have to hold my nose to vote for and the beauty about this movement was it was not about a a single candidate or a single issue it was about multiple important issues and you didn't have to settle i mean you were there basically saying this is 100 percent what i believe in this is exactly what i want and this is exactly what i want to be a part of and look at all these other people who feel this way so strongly that they're willing to put their bodies on the line and be arrested. So I think that was also something very powerful that I noticed was the diversity of the group and the fact that it was coalescing not around, you know, a single candidate, which, you know, you've seen people organize around candidates many times before in many elections, but this was something very different to me. Right. And this was organizing around an idea. And there wasn't a bill in Congress that is going to go through just because people showed up over the weekend. Um, we're not at that point yet where Washington is going to respond. But the, the kind of diversity we saw in the crowd was also geographic. There are people there from all over the country, and they are committed to going back home. And for every one person who showed up in Washington, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of friends and community members back home who are ready to make the change in, in the, the community back home. So um, we saw last year uh, in Seattle and Maine uh, local activist groups who are fighting for democracy uh, put together coalitions uh, and go to the ballot with big money and politics reforms that allow everyday people to be the most important people in, in political campaigns, again, instead of just the people who can write a big check to a campaign. And both those initiatives on the ballot won by lands, landslide margin, uh, margins. And so we're hoping and, and are going to watch uh, as people go back, you know, drive 3,000 miles back home. I met one gentleman who literally driven from Los Angeles to be part wow. of Democracy Spring and then Democracy Awakening, um, who is going to take that message back home. Uh, so we're going to see change back in the communities, pressure on the political system in places like uh, Miami um, or Arizona or Washington State, um, uh, Idaho, uh, Arkansas, other places around the country where people can make change happen. They're going to be back in Washington, too, 
Uh, we also know that uh, the pressure right now is forming around uh, a new Supreme Court justice and having the Senate do its job and confirm somebody is going to be subject to huge grassroots force because we know so much hinges on where a fifth justice sits and rules. We've seen the court take a, a turn against ordinary people and in favor of billionaires. And uh, there's going to be, uh, I think, a lot of uh, push from the grassroots up to get Washington to, to do its job on a Supreme Court nomination. So people are going to spring into action back home where they can reach out of the grassroots and make a difference. And that's the other exciting and powerful thing. People from all over the country coming together to do this and then finding ways to take action back home. I think that's a key point, you know, for those who are listening and weren't a part of the movement and, you know, think, oh, that's great. You know, everyone marched and got arrested, but, you know, what did you change? And I think that's when people, you know, need to get informed more. First of all, you know, they had, I thought it was beautifully planned. It was uh, Friday was teach-ins, Saturday, I'm sorry, Saturday was teach-ins, Sunday was the march, and Monday was the arrest. And, and also on Monday, a group that I was part of went to the halls of Congress and met with and, and pressured uh, House members and uh, senators on specific bills that already are in the works to be supported. But then, like you said, um, you know, there's future legislation that will be pushed for that hasn't even been written yet, but you're forming a coalition that will be able to support those things. And also going home, uh, one of the things that I was a part of uh, being from New York, uh, Buffalo specifically, is they had a breakout session where you went to your state, you know, you went to a group with your people of your state and learned about the issues and then just, just formed ties. For instance, just small example, we formed a Facebook Facebook group so that we could stay in touch on issues that affect our state and local legislatures. So I thought it really um, was just perfect the way that it was organized. And then the additionally, it's it's going to keep going forward. One of the things I mentioned last hour that I want to mention again, if people haven't gotten a chance to check it out and they want to keep up to date on this and get involved in the future is they can go to democracyawakening.org forward slash stay dash connected. That's democracyawakening.org forward slash stay dash connected. When we get back from this break, uh, Nick, I want to talk to you about a couple different uh, points. Uh, Zoe Carpenter and uh, Ari Berman of The Nation point out the 2016 election will be the most expensive in American history, and it is the first in 50 years without the full protections of the Voting Rights Act with new voting restrictions in effect for the first presidential cycle in 17. And I want to get your opinion on the the kind of problems that this presents for all of us uh, when we get back from this uh, commercial break. So if anyone would like to join in, you're welcome to do so by giving us a call at 888-6LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. My name is Mark Ramali. As uh, you know, as Leslie's executive producer, I will be in for her for the rest of today's show. And I'm joined again by Nick Nyhart, who you can follow on Twitter. That's at Nick Nyhart, which is N-I-C-K-N-Y-H-A-R-T. And the website is everyvoice.org. Again, this is Mark Ramali in for Leslie Marshall. We'll take your calls at 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. And we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Leslie Marshall. Real people. Real life. Real talk. 888-6-LESLIE.
Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall. Again, I'm joined by Nick Nyhart, who's the president and CEO of the Every Voice Center. Check him out at Nick Nyhart on Twitter, and the website for Every Voice is everyvoice.org. Before the break, uh, I was mentioning Zoe Carpenter and Ari Berman of The Nation point out in a recent article uh, the 2016 election will be the most expensive in American history, and it's the first in 50 years without the full protections of the Voting Rights Act, with new voting restrictions in effect for the first presidential cycle in 17 cycles. Uh, and I just wanted to get, Nick, uh, your opinion on the problems that this presents and why people should feel obligated to act. Well, I mean, if you look at both voting rights and the deregulation of campaign finance, what you're seeing happen is power being transported from the many, where it resides in a real democracy, to the few. And increasingly, uh, voting laws are designed to have fewer people vote, and it can be written to be pretty selective so that uh, certain demographic categories of people uh, have a harder time voting than others. And we've seen a rash of new restrictions on voting rights and the voting process appear in states across the country, paralleled by uh, giving big money more of a sway also all all over the country. So increasingly, you're putting more hands in the power of big campaign finance donors, big big, uh, people write the big checks, the billionaires, and ordinary people are having a harder and harder time getting to the polls. So in the end, you have uh, a handful, an elite handful, with much more power than everyday people, and we're seeing it both on voting rights Uh, and campaign finance. Again, in state after state, the rules made more difficult. A Supreme Court that up till now has had a five to four majority consistently favoring uh, the few uh, in our democracy over the many. It should be the opposite. That's not what our founding fathers intended. And the Congress that is sitting idly by or even helping, in some cases, uh, this flow of power from the many to the money. Specifically on that point, to those who hear that and then feel, you know, too cynical, maybe to get in where they just don't feel like they want to get involved or join because, you know, these facts just instead of pushing them to act, push them to walk away or throw their hands up in the air and just say, there's nothing I can do. I mean, listen to how bad this is. What would you say to those people? Well, I, you know, I I think the big thing is to look at where people are finding or are moving together coalescing and building victories at the state and local level. I mentioned Seattle before, which inaugurated a whole new campaign finance system where every voter's voice will be powerful. And in Maine, where they they run a system of electing their state lawmakers on $5 contributions. You can also look at um, Maryland, where uh, people who have done their time in jail are now being admitted back uh, on the voting rolls. So there are examples at the state level where people have come together and been able to reverse this trend of power flowing uh, away from the many into the hands of the few. So uh, people can get together in their own states, uh, in their own cities and counties, and make change. And if we keep building at the state level, uh, Congress will, uh, will pay attention. Uh, I think they began to pay attention um, over the last week when 1,300 people were arrested outside Congress. But I also know that going back home and organizing, bringing people together, winning policies that we can show make a difference in the rules of the political game and how people's voice is heard or not heard is what's going to make change. If we can build that at the local level and people are willing from all the different states and different cities uh, come together and then demand progress from Congress, we're going to see that happen. 
Um, again, it's the David and Goliath story. It's going to take reaching out, building coalitions, organizing at the local level, and then bringing it to Congress. And there are victories that we're seeing now where people have done this that should give everybody some hope. And in the end, the important thing to remember is there are a lot more people on the side of democracy than there are on the side of consolidating power in the hands of a, a tiny set of billionaires. So uh, that's a good thing to remember. Frankly, if we hadn't seen a greater pushback emerging as this problem has gotten worse and worse, uh, that would be a reason to be cynical. But instead what's happening is that people are beginning to fight back. And so we had more people in Washington than ever before fighting on these issues and taking a stronger stand by getting arrested. Um, and we're going to see more activity at the state level of people banding together uh, and winning change. Um, so that's what it's going to take. But uh, there's reason to be optimistic if you look at history in America. You mentioned those examples when you were re uh, reading from our uh, website before. Um, women didn't have the right to vote. Uh, we had slavery. Uh, we had systems of, of uniform segregation when it came to voting. Um, you can look again and again. You can look at the labor uh, fights, the sit-down strikes in the, in the 1930s and what it took to give working people a voice at work. But all across American history, people have stood together, organized together against great odds, and won improvements in our democracy. Uh, it's an ongoing fight. It's never going to stop. We'll always have to protect our right to be heard. But uh, we're full of examples of progress being made over the 200-plus years of history in our country. Absolutely uh, well said. I, I couldn't agree with you more, and I think you give some great examples. And plus, the other thing I would just note before asking you our final question here is that's what the, the large interests want people to do. They want people to feel disenfranchised, and they want people to feel cynical because then it stops them from fighting back and then just lets these people walk away, you know, these large, powerful interests of the few walk away with what they want without having to, to face any opposition. So I would encourage those who are frustrated and angered by those who are, you know, forcing large money, you know, into our forcing big money into our system and disenfranchising people and voting rights, don't don't let them win, especially without a fight. Um, you know, Nick brings up some great examples of successes. My final question is, do you think our country has a moral obligation to achieve the goals that uh, Democracy Awakening has has put forth, Nick? Oh, absolutely. Democracy is a moral issue. Um, each one of us has a voice that deserves to be heard just because we're a human being, right? And that natural impulse to say, I'm, I'm important, I count, and so does everybody else in my community, um, and that we need fairness in the rules that determines how our voice is heard, that is so deeply uh, a part of everyday people um, that, it, that it is a moral cause. I mean, no one is for unfairness, and yet we have a political system right now that's full of unfairness. Um, so, yes, it's a moral cause. It's a deeply held issue, too. Um, again, think about American history. When people's voices aren't heard or they're consistently treated unfairly, uh, we see them rise up and make change. So I'm completely confident uh, for those reasons that we're going to see change ahead. It's going to take work and it's going to take organizing. It's going to take people standing up. Uh, but we've always seen that before. And yes, there is a moral basis to this. And that is our, each of our uh, inherent worth as a human being. Um, that, I think, is a principle that's all built on. Nick, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you coming on the show. That's Nick Nyhart, the president and CEO of the Every Voice Center. Check him out on Twitter, at Nick Nyhart. The website for Every Voice is everyvoice.org. And as I mentioned before, please, please, please go to www.democracyawakening.org forward slash stay-connected. This is Mark Grimaldi. We'll be right back.